questions. Well, we're going to talk about money for the next couple of hours here on 590 KLBJ and your money and what it means to you, what the dollar means to you. If you got one of those in your pocket, I want you to pull it out, look at George, and uh, smile at him and comb his hair because you may learn a thing or three. If you're new to this show... Throughout the course of the next couple of hours, you're going to get a feeling for what Mr. Goss is all about, uh, other than pruning his begonias on Sunday. He is about studying the United States monetary system. He would be an expert in that regard. He is a 30-year currency historian, nationally recognized expert in the United States monetary system. And he has a newsletter called The Real World of Money. And he has two books, Secret World of Money and Uncle Sam Cook's the books. Well, it must be a very exciting time to be in the world of money and even the real world of money because, I mean, it's like you need a program to keep up with what the hay is going on out there. I mean, if you listen to the news, which I try to do and read the newspapers and do the blogs and all of that, the financial end of it, as well as the health, you know, some people think we're going to hell in a handbasket and they're going fast. What better reason uh, or justification for more control and more regulation? This is the perfect time for that perfect environment. Ah, I know where you're going. Mm. Tell them the word, the Hegelian dialectic. What does that uh, mean? Well, the idea that you uh, create a problem or maybe amplify a problem and then focus on the problem and then bring the solution to the problem. So uh, you synthesize people's emotions and make them want what they wouldn't accept in uh, previous circumstances. Give us an idea. Before that, let's invite the folks in. 836-0590. Come on in. I like lots of phone calls tonight. 8360. We always get lots, but I want more. 83 836-0590. 8360590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590. 8360-590.
and benefit. I mean, just calling it a day as long as you pay them back. That's right. Um, on the consumption side, I hate debt in all forms. Yeah, but that would be like a car. Yeah, a new car. Uh, or uh, a new couch, or uh-huh. uh, you know, a trip to wherever. Right. Fond memories. Right. Of course, I imagine that even has a place in every time in life. But uh, for the most part, consumption uh, that never gets financed or shouldn't in my model. Unfortunately, that's what a majority of Americans do, though mm-hmm. they finance their consumption. Yeah, because if, if you get a credit card and you take out five thousand bucks worth of a trip to Tahiti. Yeah. Which is fine. You get, you get nice those little pictures. drinks and yeah. you get the little uh, you know, little umbrellas in your drinks and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Oh, there's Bria, my dog. She's, mm-hmm. She lives here, too. She wants to go. Hey, Bria, come on up here, girl. <laughs> and uh, so then, then all of a sudden you've got to pay back the $5,000. Right. And then that's not good. Yeah, long after, that's the, not good. Long after you forget the, the, the effect of the little pineapple drink. Yeah. You're paying the bill. Mm-hmm. So the hangover mm-hmm. is much worse. Than I usually used to forget about those probably the next morning. After, yeah, not after, this one. After breakfast. Right? <laughs> so that one goes on for on. Yeah. I mean, you pay 200 bucks a month and a $5,000 credit card. You're talking a long time. Right? Yeah. And then that saps your ability to now use debt on the productive side. And give us an idea of that $5,000 credit limit where you might use that. Oh, goodness. I, I could think of a dozen places well, just around one. the home. Uh, solar panels uh, or... Uh, how about fruit trees? Mm-hmm. Love those fruit trees. Uh-huh. You, know, you can't have too many of those, mm-hmm. especially if it's your own property. Mm-hmm. Or, or energy cost reduction, You know anything that would make your home more energy efficient. Uh, those types of things should be paid for, financed with debt immediately. I mean, if you could penalize the top of your house and you know take the oil tank out of the ground or whatever, right. you, you should do that right away and borrow money if you have to, mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, And you're suggesting many reasons for that. The dollar continues to fall against everything that we know and love, like oil, everything, food, everything, gas, anything that's Nicole Kidman movies. I mean, anything Anything. that's worth doing. I mean, it's just that the dollar is really getting this little fanny kicked, isn't it? Right. And people will pay anything for fixed supply, limited supply uh, items. So. You know, this is really the idea to it all is if you're buying something that is in demand and in fixed supply, it has to appreciate in value against a falling dollar. Got to. uh, Basic economics. Got to. Along the way tonight, Mr. Goss is going to tell you why he believes and he'll give you some uh, uh, excruciating detail of why he believes this dollar has continued to fall. Mm. And that's um, coming up here. And also... Um, a lot of other things, like um, exactly what the color of Mr. Goss's begonias are in his uh, garden, in the Garden State. They're chrysanthemums. And, and uh, during this break, I'll see if I can invite Bria, my golden retriever, to come upstairs and lie by me instead of barking at the vultures. She barks at the vultures, you know. She does. Yeah, yeah. Good evening to you. This is News Radio 590 KLBJ. My name is Patrick Timpone. It is exactly 15 minutes after 6 o'clock. The show is brought to you in part by my good friend and uh, buddies at the NEDAC Rebounding Corporation. Hot cha cha. I mean, this is, the, this is the way to go. For example, we did a show uh, between 3 and 5 o'clock on OneRadioNetwork.com. And in between the five and six o'clock show here tonight, we did it this afternoon. I go out there and I can bounce around on my little rebounder for like 
10 minutes, five minutes, and you just kind of get the little foggies out of the brain. Then, you know, you do radio, you get a little foggy in the brain sometimes. Sometimes I get foggy in the brain when I don't do radio. And these are cool. These are little rebounders, and they're so fun. And they're four feet in diameter. You can jump up and down and just be silly. And they're very safe. And you get that lymph system moving, and there are just thousands and thousands of uh, lymph, lymph cells and lymphatic system. It's a huge system. Someday I'll, I got their book downstairs, and I'll tell you more about it. This is great. This is really something that you will do because it's easy, it's safe, it's fun, and it's very affordable. $219, one-time cost, one-time, and this is a lifetime. The only thing you need to do is place, replace the springs every now and then. Go to One Radio Network, OneRadioNetwork.com. Click on Products and order yourself a rebounder. We'll have it to you in oh, three days or so. Call now at 836-0590, pound 590 for your wireless, and toll free at 1-877-590-KLBJ. Yabba-dabba-doo. Yabba, yabba. Yeah. Uh, 20 minutes after 6 o'clock. Well, that worked okay, Nate. 20 minutes after 6, give us a call, 836-0590, from anywhere. Anywhere in the world, and you can call and uh, talk to us. Talk to us. Andrew Goss, he is with us. He's a 30-year currency historian. We take a 360-degree view of this world of money, and we ask you to believe nothing and entertain possibilities. I shouldn't look at those blogs and say we're going to go into the Depression then because I should just leave those alone. Well, you know, that's up to the Federal Reserve. I suppose if they (laughs) want us in a Depression, they could put us there overnight. I don't believe they want us there. And how would they do that? Uh, they would just uh, stop printing money, right? Yeah, shut down the supply. You know, this is the real problem right now, is that we've allowed the creation, the wholesale creation of debt. Anyone can create a debt instrument. People can create uh, IOUs, uh, banks can create CDs and bonds, are created by government agencies uh, and corporations. There's no shortage of debt. There's only a shortage of money to pay for the debt. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, uh, the decision of the central banker is uh, either let everybody collapse or, and that's the depression that uh, many are predicting, and, and with good reason, if you gamble on that side that they are powerless to control it, then we have to collapse. But there, uh, they're not powerless to control it, right? I mean, right. There's, there's just no way. The, well, this is my view. There's no way. I, I mean, the two seem to me to go well together. I don't understand what all the confusion is. If uh-huh. on the one hand, we have a group of private individuals in control of the monetary system of the United States and operating it for profit... Then on the other hand, they can't make any money if it's collapsed. Yeah. So I mean, that's, their uh, we, profit motive is one of the original yeah, reasons why yeah. it was argued that it should be private. That, mm-hmm. You know, people will always seek profit, and so they'll keep the system going. Uh, who controls uh, the issue of new dollars to loan to the United States? Who, who would that be? Well, that would be the Federal Reserve Banks, uh, primarily the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And yeah. who owns the Federal Reserve? This is kind of like Jeopardy. Who, beep, beep, owns, beep, beep. who owns the Federal Reserve Bank of New York? Well, it's the familiar names. Uh, what we've grown to know as the money center banks. Uh, that would be J.P. Morgan Chase primarily and Citicorp primarily. There are several others. But. And these are private bankers. Yeah. <clears throat> private banking. And many of these banks are owned also by 
by those who live in a foreign land. Indeed, yeah, Indeed. there are foreign, about forty. Would you say forty percent? Well, you have foreign shareholders in two in in all categories of of industry, but primarily so in the banking industry. Uh, Citicorp, as we know, is a, there's a large equity stake owned by uh, Middle Eastern nations. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Deutsche Bank, of course, we should know that's German. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are foreign players that own and, and have controlling shares of the Federal Reserve Banks. For and sure. these are the same banks that get to take in pieces of paper, debt instruments. Right. They monetize them yep. for dollars. Yep. And then they they loan them. Yeah. To the United States government. That's the best part right that, there. Now, that is just a good deal. I mean, I, I like it because you said it the other night on our network, our internet show is making money by making, making money. money. Yeah. I mean, think about that, folks. We make money by making money. Yeah. Now, that's a good that's a good job to have. I what a business. Do, what a business. Yeah. It's like the old phone company, however, where, you know, if you don't like it, there is no other phone company. <laughs> there right. is only one central bank. That's right. And it is the monopoly power to issue money. Now, many have argued that it should be open and competitive, that anyone should be able to issue money. And in fact, uh, local communities set up these uh, community script organizations. You may have heard of Ithaca Hours, where merchants band together and agree to accept uh, specific different pieces of paper that are represented by the labor and capital of their own small communities. Uh, yeah, yeah. These competing yeah. monetary well, systems would allow for expansion and growth and enterprise without mm-hmm. necessitating uh, a bank loan mm-hmm. at interest, mm-hmm. which is a killer of a great republic. And I, did, I just think it's so fascinating about uh, when you talk about taxes, Andrew Gross, and then you hear like, like my uh, associate who's on this station, Neil Bortz, go on and on ad, ad nauseum about the fair tax and, mm. and all these other different taxing schemes. Right. When, when you have said all you have to do is just tell the Federal Reserve that they can't do this anymore because right. they've only been doing it since 1913. Right. And then just the United States Treasury prints the money and we then spend it. Yeah. Uh, I guess if I was... I mean, in that's, Ve- the, that's the tax de jour, right? It is. If I was in Venezuela, you know, I might be Cesar Chavez because that would be the view that uh, the, a traditional economist would take of that suggestion. Is that what Caesar does? Well, yeah. Yeah. He took, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took yeah. control of that banking system. They got a little Good upset for Caesar, about right? that. He's no dummy. Yeah. So, you, you know, you get control of the nation's money, mm-hmm. and suddenly you're in control of the nation. So mm-hmm. that really begs the question, who then runs our nation, if that's the fact? So then it's you're suggesting it's someone other than the president of the United States and uh, the people. Well, I, you know, when Bear Stearns and that whole debacle happened on Wall Street, I didn't see anybody looking at the White House. You know, they were all looking to the Federal Reserve, how uh-huh. the Federal Reserve was going to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And this power, this much power in the hands of unelected officials, I mean, I believe it very, if we just look at the basis of the Federal Reserve, as opposed to the conspiracy theory for just a minute. All right. You know, if we ignore the fact that it's primarily owned by foreigners, that it's a private corporation, let's get beyond all that and say, okay, if I'm behind it. I, I, right. I've let it go. If it's, if it's all right to <laughs> privatize the system, then why shouldn't they have to come before Congress for their appropriations? Why should they be allowed to create money then to buy their own stuff um, without audit? Now, you see, this is an area where I think I can get everyone to agree. 
Okay, so go through what you just said now. Well, for example, if you had any other department of government with a $30 million art collection and a full-time curator, unless it was a public museum, it has no place, right? Right. But yet, this is what the Federal Reserve Banks have in their private areas. They have an art collection for their offices and things that are paid for on the taxpayer's dime. An extensive art collection. In addition, there are almost 50... Small Lear jets, you know those little comfortable corporate yeah. aircraft. Yeah, yeah. they ferry uh, executives around the country, and uh, you know their logs are not as clear and open to government uh, to the uh, open public records uh, laws as uh, you know other cor- other entities of government. So the Fed's jets are their own fleet, and their pilots, and their staff, and the mechanics, and the runways, and all that sort of stuff is all paid for with money that they create out of thin air, and essentially charge off to the taxpayer. So at very, very least, I think the Federal Reserve should be made to come before Congress for an appropriation like every other entity. You know, give its budget in and say, this is what we want to spend money on, and Congress could either yes or no give it the appropriation. Instead, they're allowed to run free and just create money at any angle that they need to in order to facilitate their own private goals. And there's billions, if not trillions of dollars in profit with creating money than getting it paid back to yeah, you. Hundreds of billions. Uh, hundreds. Trillions, oh, yeah. I just... Quadrillions. Quadrillions. So, uh, that's why they they would never go for an audit because, I mean, if, if everybody knew exactly what they really made, holy cow, everybody would just well, go, man, this has got to end here. But like everything else, you know, mm. when, when the original um, creature of the Federal Reserve was brought into being, mm. there was a second creature brought in called the Federal Reserve Board. Right. And this board... Oh, they're supposed to overlook all... all right. Yeah. So this you had this quasi-public-private thing going on, mm. because the Federal Reserve Board is indeed an agency of government. And, and certainly, any congressman, when you say to him, the Federal Reserve is privately owned, he can say to you, no, it isn't, because the entire Federal Reserve system is comprised of the Federal Reserve banks on the one hand, privately held, and the Federal Reserve Board on the other, publicly held. Oh. So we have this quasi-public yeah. partnership, whatever you want to call it, that enables for a certain amount of tap dancing, doesn't it? Yes. It is the last Saturday of the month, and we'll tap dance until 8 o'clock. My name is Patrick Timpone, along with Andrew Goss, currency historian. And come on in and ask a question or give a comment here. Love to hear from you. 836 Toll free 877 Break for the news. Call free at one 590 klbj And now here's Patrick. I just made that part up. It's uh, 37, after the <laughs> 37 after the hour with Andrew Goss. He is a currency historian, good friend of mine, and uh, all-around nice guy. And he uh, knows his stuff when it comes to money. He really does. He's a 30-year currency historian. He, 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 grab one of his books sometime, Secret World of Money, and Uncle Sam cooks the books, and he has a newsletter called The uh, World of Money. How do people get that little package, Andrew? Uh, well, actually, I think we're going to have something available for him early next week. On, uh, um, Pat, on one, one Radio Network. Yeah, One huh? Radio Network, well, where they'll get cool. both books and a subscription service. All right. yeah. Our phone number, 836-0590. Let's go to uh, Bass Chop. Say hi to Barry. Hi, Barry. Barry. Hello. Okay. Barry? Hmm. Hold on. Barry, can you hear me? Barry? Well, he was there. Let's take the next call. Where are you calling from? Hello? Hey, where are you calling from? 
at North Austin. Yeah, we lost Barry there for a second. Can you hear Mandy? Yeah. Hi. Okay, good. Hi, what can we do for you on KLBJ? Welcome. What's your first name? Uh, this is Dale. Okay, Dale. Go ahead. Uh, well, I'm, I'm wondering with the imminent collapse of the dollar, uh, what should we do to prepare for this? I mean, other than storing up on beans, bullion, and bullets like Ron Paul said. <laughs> beans, bullions, and bullets. I like that. <laughs> yeah, what, what can we prepare? Now, uh, so you think it's going to collapse, Barry? Well, um, no, it's Dale, but uh, Dale. yeah, I, I, I've been hearing, I've, I've been hearing from my, my cohorts about an Amero dollar that they're going to introduce here pretty soon. They said as soon as they introduce the the new five dollar bill that you can do the countdown to six months before they introduce the Amero and collapse our dollar, and it seems like that's what the plan has been. I've been watching this for about oh, probably twenty years now, hmm. and I've just been watching it going, going, going. You know, when I was a kid. Uh, we used to load up the station wagon on Saturday, run down to the gas station, and Dad would get five gallons of gas and pay a silver dollar. Well, right now you take that silver dollar and it's worth, what, about $17.22, which is about, what, five gallons of gas? So I know that the dollar is dropping. <laughs> but I, I just, you know, I, I just wonder if y'all have heard anything about that. And uh, What do you think, what Andy? Would be the best thing to do to hedge our bets against this uh, eventual collapse of the dollar that, if it's anything like Germany, where they collapsed the Deutschmark and then introduced the euro, uh, my guess is that it'll probably be about six months to eight months that it's going to be a struggle. And what, what are your comments on that? I'll hang up and listen. Okay. Andy? Okay, so that would be a bust-out of the Federal Reserve System. You know, old, tried, and true, set up a corporation and run it into the ground and then bust it out. Hmm. You don't think that's going to happen? Are they... They're just getting started. <laughs> they, they Remember just, that Al Pacino they, movie? They just get, I'm just getting, getting started. started. What are you talking about? Where did they come from, that movie? Which uh, one was that? Uh, uh, Scent of a Woman. Scent I think of a Woman. Was. I'm yeah. just getting started. That's right. The Federal Reserve uh, has world domination on their plate. You know, They're nowhere near done. So the idea... That wow, so, that's a heavy statement there. I'm sorry about that's that. That's all right. I like it when you get, you know, dramatic. Yeah, well, you look at it. Look at what we've, uh, look at what we've accomplished, what we mm-hmm. <laughs> have accomplished for them. Mm. And I, I know this, that um, uh, all of us would be together on that day, the day that the dollar collapsed. You know, we'd all be charged up as one unit, mm. ready to take some mm. mass action. I don't mm. know. Mm-hmm. What would it be? What we would make we'd, change. We'd, have, we'd yeah. have fun, I tell you that. It yeah, would be, it we're would be. America. We would. Right. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, that's a that's a that's I not something a, we really want to have happen, though, yeah, is it? Yeah, no, not really. But in our hearts, I mean, I can see the evidence for it. And if you if you want to see it, you can see it. Uh, certainly, the the collapse of the dollar could have happened at any one of six points in the last five years or seven years now. So from 2001, the, the uh, World Trade Center attacks, to um, the recent Bear Stearns uh, debacle. Any one of those items in between, the, the hedge fund bailouts, Amaranth, and the uh, long-term capital management, any one of those could have collapsed the entire economy into a heap. And so if they were ready, if they wanted they, wanted to they, go to a world currency, they would have not had a better time than any one of those times. So, okay, we're not ready yet? All right, maybe. Six months after the new $5 bill? And the five just came out. At right? least we got a counting point, you know. Okay. I. Um, but you're not betting on the Amero at all. Well, I know where the Amero came from. I know that it was a... Uh, 
And, uh, you know, I know there's a radio host out there that claims they, there was a Denver Mint shutdown and they were making these things in the middle of the night. The hard reality is that the, the case for the Amero is a 1999 paper out of the Fraser Institute in Canada because central, uh, excuse me, owners of the central bank from New York, Citibank, Goldman, and others were going into Canada and doing underwriting deals, taking Canadian public, Canadian companies public at the expense of Canadian firms. And one of the big Canadian underwriters paid a, a think tank, an institute, to look at the euro and say, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had a currency model for a North and South uh, America, and, and specifically um, Canada, Mexico, and the United States? And many point to the meeting of uh, uh, Vincenzo Fox and the president um, as you know agreeing to this new Amero. I do not see this as a viable option to the Federal Reserve note. And I don't see the Federal Reserve allowing it to even crop its head up. They would not give a seat at the table to a colony of the United States, which is what Mexico's been reduced to, and a compete a competing neighbor to the north. So, so what you're saying that that these people, the Fed at all, are so powerful and have so powerful. You know, I don't know another word. That's it. That they just they're just not going to let it happen. Absolutely, because they not. control everything anyway. Their choice is to accept the dollar that's their choice and they can choose not to accept the dollar then they can't buy oil so you know whatever else they want to do they're locked into the to the picture most of the world's trade is conducted in dollars deals and contracts are written in dollars you're not going to change this and allow uh, and now a currency board this is the funniest part of the proposal is that the federal reserve now dilute its power and give you know seats to Canada and to um, Mexico and yeah. allow them some type of monetary autonomy. No way. Bastrop, Barry, now we got you. Don't lose you this time. Hi, Barry. Hi, guys. Go ahead. Speak right up. Thanks for having me on. Gentlemen, first of all, let me say how much I appreciate you guys addressing this subject. Telling the truth is not easy, and it uh, actually can be dangerous sometimes. And uh, I do appreciate this very much because people need to know this. The apathy and the complacency of the American people is off the chart. Let me make a remark on the 1913 Federal Reserve Act. As Andrew well knows, it was a, it was a, it's a well-known co- coincidence that, of course, the <coughs> IRS was established the same year for the pure purpose of collecting the interest for the Federal Reserve bankers passed by Congress under the influence of those bankers, and every dime of your income tax and mine pays interest to their counterfeit money they print daily. Wow. I you said it. it. I, yeah. You I, said it, man. Yeah, I didn't interrupt you. No, no. Wait, no, because no. you were on a roll. You did a good job of that, my friend. And uh, reality is that it was the uh, the income tax amendment that was put into place along with the um, um, Federal Reserve Act for the sole purpose of creating a siphon, and as the caller has so succinctly put it, taking what is about a third of our productive capital and paying it into uh, private corporations, allowing them to collect interest on money which they create out of thin air. Yes, sir, and they, they knew otherwise they could not get their interest if subsequently they hadn't passed the Withholding Act some years later, whereby most Americans' uh, uh, wages are withheld or stolen, in my opinion, without them ever getting their hands on it. It's a fact 86% of taxpayers are considered to be compliant by the Internal Revenue Service, the other 14% are small businessmen like me who every quarter find sometimes that, oh, if you didn't feed your family and pay your health insurance, you might not be able to pay your taxes. 
and the next thing you know, you have the stormtroopers on top of you. Thanks so much, Barry. And Barry, we're on uh, with Andy every Wednesday, 7 to 8 o'clock on One Radio Network. I I, I really appreciate you. Yeah, OneRadioNetwork.com. Thanks a lot. Okay, we're going to get to John in San Antonio, and we'll get to your call. If you want to call up and say, hi, 836-0590, Andrew Goss, the real world of money with the last Saturday of the month right here on 590-KLBJ. Appreciate uh, KLBJ putting up with me since 1983 and uh, allowing me to get more creative with more shows and things like that. And God bless you guys. It's a beautiful thing. Mark Caesar's a good man. Okay, now uh, the show is brought to you in part by 53 Minutes After the Hour, and this is News Radio 590 KLBJ. My name is Patrick Timpone, along with Andrew Goss. Andrew, we got lots of calls. You ready for some more? Oh, yeah, that's my favorite part. Is it, maybe two that's my favorite. Let's see who's been waiting here the longest. Let's go to uh, San Antonio. Hi, San Antonio. What's going on? Hey, great show as always. I have a real quick question. Uh, I'm 50 years old and have finally paid off all my debts and uh, I'm sitting rent-free on some family land out around Kerrville uh, and we'll probably receive a substantial uh, inheritance in about five years. And my question is, should I buy or simply rent? And my second question, I'll go ahead and add on to this, because of the following dollar, where do you go, as we knew nine months ago that the dollar was going down, where do you go if you had $20,000 and you wanted to invest in the Swiss franc? And I'll let you answer that. Yeah, go okay. ahead and stay right there. Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, the idea of foreign exchange, or buying foreign currencies, <clears throat> is known as Forex. And there are markets and exchanges that develop. Uh, you know, you can go online and Google that word, Forex, <laughs> and you'll find hundreds of companies, maybe thousands, that would help you. Uh, what you're buying is you're, you're trading your dollars for euros or yen or whichever currency you think might be stronger. And uh, that's problematic because all of them are based on the same principle, which is the idea that you issue money, and then that's against debt, not against sound assets. So anyone is as likely to fall as the dollar. As a result, uh, instead of hedging your losses, you're, you're actually getting in something that may even be worse. So, you know, before you go buying a foreign currency, look at the ultimate currency, which in my view is uh, um, gold or silver coin, money. Uh, you know, that I think would be a much better uh, gauge than, say, the euro or the yen. And obviously, we, we lost him. Uh, something happened to his connection. Okay. But uh, he was talking about buying or renting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think uh, that the this um, so-called problem in the real estate market, it, first of all, was primarily affected people, not people who buy their homes and live in them and stay in them, but rather the speculator more than any other. So although it's true, to be fair, there are a number of people who bought houses that were perhaps above their heads, by and large, uh, this is a temporary circumstance, and it's being righted by uh, tremendous uh, liquidity being added into the mortgage system. So you're going to see a quick snapback, and and as a result, if you wait in order to buy, uh, I fear you'll be paying higher prices, much higher than if you just bit the bullet and 
did it now. So rent is thrown away. I think you'd be better off to buy a, a, a piece of property now, especially if you have excess funds. KLBJ, let's sneak Joe in before the uh, top of the news hour break. He's been waiting for a long time. Hi, Joe. Go ahead. You're on KLBJ. I like to see if I understand inflation and the money supply, the relationship. Uh, if they tell us the economy grew at 3% in 2007 and inflation was 2%, if you add 3% and 2% together, you get 5%. Does that mean the money supply increased by 5%? No, I actually, that might be close to an ideal solution. You know, if you expand the economy at 3%, then you can put 3% more money in the money supply. That would, on the face of it, equal supply and demand. So theoretically, prices would remain the same. But they don't do that. Uh, they increase the money supply at a rate based not upon uh, any fixed determining factors, but rather what their needs are. And uh, I think the real rate of inflation, using that definition, increased money supply, is 20% year over year, uh, especially mm. over the last year. 20%. 20%, not four or five. Yeah, so go ahead, Joe. Um, go ahead. So when they tell us the inflation was 2% for 2007, you're saying it's 20%. Yeah, they're measuring two different things. Uh, as the, This is a health show. Patrick does health, right? Mm -hmm. And he talks about the symptom, you know, treating the symptom. And that's essentially what, what uh, the CPI or the Consumer Price Index is. It's a symptom of how the economy is reacting to a 20% 20, 20 increase in the money supply. So it increases based on the actual rising prices. And a lot of mechanics within the CPI allow them to, uh, shall we say, doctor the numbers. You know, they can replace things and remove things and add things things to the index, which make the consumer price index look different from what you might be experiencing in in the real world. And so the CPI, as any people, anyone could tell you, prices rose in just about every area, more than two or three or four percent. But due, due to the way they adjust it, they can make it look like only or two or three percent mm -hmm. gain. Yeah. It one show before you call it the CPI and other fictions. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you want to look at that newsletter, it might explain it more fully than the hack job I just did. So uh, you can get that online at uh, usgoldcoins.com. Oh, and the newsletter explains yeah, all Yeah, uh, CPI and other fairy tales. Explains yeah. all about it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, we have uh, some other callers, and we're going to have to take a little break here for the news. Andrew, sit, sit tight, okay? And I'll my name is Patrick Timpone. You've got News Radio 590 KLBJ. I'm here every Saturday between 6 and 8 o'clock, mostly taking care of your health. Last Saturday month, we have the real world of money with Andrew Goss. At 1 590 KLBJ. Now, here's Patrick Timpone. Well, we were close there. It's uh, actually. Uh the real world of money show is what it is, yeah. Six minutes after seven o'clock, and this is News Radio 590 KLBJ. A very pleasant good evening to you. It is uh, lovely to be here with you in the beautiful hill country and in all over the greater Austin area. We are booming out information about money that you will not hear anywhere else. I mean, even though, you know, this guy, Lou Dobbs, he tells you he's your friend, he's your guy, he's man, I'm just I'm looking out for you. And he doesn't have any clue about the way the money works. Because he doesn't tell you about it. Nobody does. CNBC, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, they're all just telling you the same. You ever been to the Bolshoi Ballet, Andrew Goss? No, I can't say that I have. Well, you know, if you go to the Bolshoi Ballet and you go and you go like, and then you go the next year, 
Mm. You walk out of there and you say, you know, it's just the same old Bolshoi. <laughs> I just, uh, you know, you had to be there for that. Well, yeah, you got to uh, love it. Eight minutes good. after seven o'clock and uh, 836-0590. Let's see. Uh, you have been holding on a bit here. Daniel. Hi, Daniel. You're on KLBJ. Hello, Daniel. Hey, you know uh, I have two questions. Yes, sir. One of them was about the gentleman who called earlier and you discussed the possibility that the dollar would not collapse. Uh, one question, I guess before I get to the next one, is can the Federal Reserve actually stop it if indeed the, the people who are sitting there with worthless dollars on their hand refuse to start accepting dollars? Uh, and then my next question after that... Well, let, let's stay with that one for a moment. All right, all right. Okay. Yeah, that, no, that's a good one. In that's fact, a good question, yeah. Yeah, the answer is no. The Federal Reserve, I mean, unless they're going to ready, uh, unless they're going to enforce... I'll tell you the closest parallel we have was when Richard Nixon put wage and price controls in place. Yeah. Now, you couldn't buy coffee on the supermarket shelves because he was forcing the supermarkets to sell it for $4 a pound, but you could buy it in the black market for $8 a pound. Right. So, I mean, th- I think that's uh, uh, the type of fiat that would be needed to force people to accept it, but, you know, short of that, no, they have no power to make people uh, spend or borrow dollars. Okay. The more important question I have, and now that, that, now that I'm assured that it could possibly collapse... I received some income from a very good source that will very definitely match or exceed inflation, and that's in oil. Now, if the dollar does collapse, what will be the procedure of, say, for instance, uh, I know the oil wells are still going to be good, and I know that uh, they will still be able to sell and things like that, but what will I be able to receive or what kind of... uh, substance or value uh, right would you receive gold you know i'm I'm tickled to death with gold but (laughs) well just sell your oil for gold man (laughs) well i'm not in the i'm not in the uh management or the selling end of it see i would have no control over the sales of it or anything else Mm. they would simply decide to sell it and my hope is that they'd be tired of uh uh, taking the dollar like I would be, and say, "Well, we're not going to sell it dollars anymore. Give us gold, or, uh, or give us heck. I would, I'd be willing to take oil script, you know." <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd be better off. Uh, t- oil certificate, maybe, or something less similar to that. But what uh, would be the procedure of changing from the worthless dollar to a substance that can be used for buying and selling? That's, I guess, what I want to know. Okay. I mean, I can't get out of the. I can't get out of the dollar. Yeah, well, I understand, and this is why I counsel most people. If you're if you're locked in, what you need is a hedge. I got the hedge. I got the gold. <laughs> well, then. But that, I mean, I'm just worried about my income. Well, your income is going to be hopefully, if it's not fixed, right? It's going to rise according to. Well, let's it'll say rise you, very definitely for about two, three, four, five, ten years. You know, until the final collapse. Well, if you were in Zimbabwe and you had an oil and you were being paid in Zimbabwe dollars, they just keep adding zeros to your check every month. I mean, they go, you know, they don't go as far, so they add a zero, and then it doesn't go as far, so they add another zero. So your your income, if it's tied in dollars, will keep pace with whatever is uh, going on in there. But Daniel, excuse me, Daniel and, and Andrew, you guys still have a fundamental disagreement where Andrew, you don't think it ever will collapse, and Daniel no. does. Well, don't. No, I don't. Okay. Well, if you if you define collapse, it would be a 
Weimar-style hyperinflation first. Where people don't accept it anymore. Well, yeah, let's look at it the way it would happen, okay? Okay, good. So the, like the way we see it right now where the dollar is sliding, and let's say now that slide continues, and not only continues, it begins to accelerate. Right. And it starts falling on a daily basis. Yeah, of course, my oil income goes up and up and up and up. I'm so happy yeah. about that. Th- this is what's known as hyperinflation, right. and Zimbabwe is experiencing it now in the Weimar Republic in the 20s and 30s. Right. So this is always the forerunner of a collapsed dollar. Right. It, it, it's never going to be like it is right now, and then you wake up tomorrow and the dollar's collapsed. What you have to have first is what's known as a hyperinflationary blow-off. Uh-huh. Now, I, I assure you of this, that when a hyperinflation starts, Patrick and I will be talking about it long before it happens. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it looks like a hyperinflationary blow-off, you'll hear it here first. Good. All right. Well, I'm so tickled. All right, good. Actually, if they start adding zeros to my paycheck, I'll just send it to my mortgager, huh? Exactly. Well, no, because, <laughs> see, this is, the, this is the illustration of debt as a blessing. The yep. mortgage payment, if you've bought the money, if you have a 30-year mortgage, he can't add zeros to your payment, see? I can, though. Well, you can just, as we were talking about uh, before, you could choose to pay off your mortgage as fast or as slow as you want. And in a hyperinflationary blow-off where they're adding zeros to everything on a daily basis, your mortgage payment stays the same. I would imagine your bank will be out of business long before that. Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll just send them one of my big old checks and uh, get the deed back, and I'll, I'll be able to buy this cheap little house for <laughs> hardly anything. All right, Good Daniel, thanks for your call. Let's go to, I don't know the name here, but hi, you're calling KLBJ. Hello. Hi, go ahead. You're on the air. Uh, yes, it's Patrick. Yes, Patrick. Hey, Patrick, yes. Uh, good job. Uh, thanks. You and, uh, and uh, Andrew Goss there. Thanks. got a question for Andrew. Uh on this, uh, every time it seems that maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm seeing a pattern. Every time the Federal Reserve seems to cut interest rates for banks, it's the amount, the rate that banks loan to each other. Uh, is that, that's not doing any benefit for the uh, borrowing public or the, um, or the small investor in, in say, in say CDs or money markets, right? Right. Uh, well, it seems to knock those rates down. Yeah, you're, you're right. If you look over in the mortgage markets, though, as the commercial in the previous segment in, indicated, mm-hmm. I mean, already you're seeing uh, 30-year mortgage rates in the fives. So as that number gets lower and lower, uh, obviously the, that is, has direct impact on the borrowing public. Uh, right. to, I think, but in the number one area where it doesn't is, let's say, and perhaps in credit card rates, which okay. pretty much have a tendency to stay constant unless you're you know, in a fluctuating credit card situation where the, the interest rate is variable. And, and in that case, when rates are generally heading down, those rates are generally heading down, but they're exorbitant to begin with. So. Right. Well, my, my other part of that question would be also, if it costs less for banks to lend each other money because the rate's been cut by the Fed, right. uh, why do uh, savings and loans or, uh, or federal, uh, you know, federal uh, and, you know, savings Credit unions, uh, right. can, can pay you a higher premium on your CDs and your, your money markets. Exactly. You know, the way I characterize that is, why would they want to pay you anything for money when they can just create it for nothing? And and it's a it's a well, strange right yeah. it's a strange dichotomy, but that's exactly what's happening. So you cannot get a decent return on your savings by keeping it in a fixed investment return, without looking for the more risky vehicles. You know, the thirty-year bonds or the corporate bonds or the agency bonds. And quite frankly, I don't advise any of those. For myself, I think they're all the worst possible investments that you can make. You'd be better off to buy any sort of equity. 
Right, gold and silver, maybe. Well, that's my favorite. I like gold and silver coins, but just anything. Real estate seems to work for a lot of people, so you know that's a goodie. Uh, stocks, the right stock, I suppose, uh, the would be good. Uh, you know, things that have value, tangible assets, by well, far, fit well, the on the top. Well, the more the Fed prints that fiat money, the, the the more the more the dollar goes to the floor, too, though. Exactly, and that'll continue. I'm not suggesting that's going to stop. You know, as time moves on, the dollar will become worth less and less and less and less until, you know, it'll be worth less. Thank you for calling, sir. Good to have you here. Good to have all of you. I appreciate you coming by. Saturday, 6 to 8 p.m. right here on News Radio 590 KLBJ. On the last Saturday of the month, we do The Real World of Money with Andrew Goss, and he would be a 30-year currency historian. My name is Patrick Timpone. Good to have you here. You can always reach me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. The Real World of Money with yeah. Patrick Timpone yeah, and yeah. Andrew Goss. Yeah. Call now at 836-0590. 590 for your wireless. That's your booty. toll free at 1-877-590-KLBJ. And Andrew Goss, I, I think Helicopter Ben is coming. He's going to come by here. Yeah, there he is. There. Uh, there's, Hel- there's Helicopter Ben. Tell everybody why, why we call him Helicopter Ben. He's the president. Or what is he? The head of the Federal Reserve. Yeah, he's the chairman of the Federal, Federal Reserve. Reserve. And and we, we didn't give him that nickname. He got no, that no, he got himself. that. And, and that's a worldwide nickname, too. I mean, you see it all over the Internet. Yeah, we didn't give it to him. And uh, why, the, why do we call him Helicopter? Well, because why didn't is you see, hel- did you look up in that helicopter? I think he was throwing money out of it. Uh, you know, that was the reason for his nickname, because the question was, what would we do if the wire system failed? And he said, well, I guess we could helicopter money in. <laughs> and and then people start calling him Helicopter Ben, right? Yeah, it kind of stuck. Andrew Goss is a 30-year uh, uh, currency historian, and uh, he's an expert on the U.S. monetary system and a good guy. And uh, he's your man if you ever do want to buy and sell gold coins. But I, I think it's really important for me to point out if he was just interested in selling gold coins, he'd come on the radio and tell you that everything is going to hell in a handbasket, and boy, you're going to be running through the streets naked, and you need to buy gold. <laughs> and he doesn't do that. There's I enough mean, of those people. No, there's enough of those people. He yeah. tells you what he believes is the true deal, that if you understand, that if we understand, not you, but me too, understand that the boys who control the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the supply of dollars, there is no profit, Andrew Gross, as you've said so eloquently, in doom and, and crash and boom and all of that. There's no profit in that. Why would they let that happen? Yeah, exactly. Why would they let that happen? There's no profit motive in doing that. I mean, if they, okay, let's look at the one that most people give, because then they can buy up all the property in the world at, or in the country at, uh, for next to nothing. Well, they can buy it now. All they have to do is create the money and buy sure, it. Sure, they can buy it now. They, they're not short of money. And, in fact, they need <laughs> a nice, healthy, vigorous market so they can sell the stuff they've already bought. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. You know, that's you got to rule that one out. That that one doesn't fly. Give me another one. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to think about the idea. Why would they want to pen everybody up, put them in prisons, and and uh, uh, take all the land? Then what are they? Oh, that's do? productive. S- sit in their mansions and drink twenty-year-old scotch and, and look at the peasants starving. I mean, who's going to clean the pool? Yeah, who? That, that's right. Who's going to who's going to prune the begonias for <laughs> yeah, God's precisely. sake? Precisely. Yeah, precisely. And I somebody's got to make all the wonderful things they consume. And I mean, who's yeah. going to keep their internet on and all these things? So mm-hmm, it, it's mm-hmm. a it's a reality that the the beautiful part of it is that they've harnessed. You know, those are no more hopelessly enslaved than 
who's that, Frederick Douglass, right? Oh, yeah. People yeah. who falsely believe they are free or something like that's that. Right? Right. That's right. So if, if you think that they have to put you behind a chain link fence in order to have control over you, I guess you haven't been really paying attention. Uh, my goodness, you can't do anything without being an electronic fishbowl. 100%, just about every single transaction that you engage in, a slice of it comes out and is given to the Federal Reserve. Mm. Uh, so they already have a wonderful system in place, and why kill the golden goose? Yeah, that's yeah. my theory. So that's the whole mission of this show, folks, is that uh, they've got us right now, in a sense, but not... But but if we understand the game, which nobody else is talking about except us, yeah. then you could play the game and survive and thrive and do very well because there's so few that really understand the game. They're not worried about us. Yeah, imagine an, an invisible exactly. <laughs> imagine an invisible fence in which you know it, every keeps everyone else in. But once you know how to get through it, then uh, you can walk right through. It's as though it's not there for you, and that's the secret of the knowledge. And really, once you understand how it works. You can free yourself from that mindset, which tells you, and I think these are the mantras, right? It's something like, live debt-free, pay off your debts early, and save your money. Wow, I mean, the, everybody tells you to do that's that. That's the mantra. That's the mantra. And that's the invisible fence. <laughs> that's the, that's the... If you'll do those three things, I guarantee you, you'll be poor. There's just no question about it. <laughs> All right, let's go to North Austin and say hi to John. Hi, John, you are on... KLBJ. Hi, John. There's, How are you all doing? We're good. I uh, just wanted to squeeze in a few questions. I tuned into your show a little late, but uh, what you have to say is kind of worrisome. Uh, what is, I don't know, you may have already touched on this, what is, uh, if the dollar collapses, what is the best way to prepare for it? Or are we pretty much uh, going to have a, you know, depression where everybody's in a soup line? And uh, I had a couple of other questions. Okay, go ahead, Andrew. Well, if there's a depression, it would be devastating. I mean, if we have a dollar collapse where we would have first a hyperinflationary blow-off and then the dollar would be worth nothing. So you'd see prices going like crazy, crazy up and, you know, till it's a $1,000 a gallon for gas. I don't know, $10,000. I don't know at which point it would collapse after that. It might be anywhere in between. Uh, but what would happen would be commerce around the world would stop happening. It, it and for this is another reason that reinforces my belief that they're not going to allow it to happen. Uh, the, the chaos would be devastating. And from this chaos would rise a new order <laughs> that wouldn't... Ah, uh, I've uh, heard that one. Well, it wouldn't be tied to the old order. You know, mm -hmm. all, the all the control mechanisms that exist utilizing the dollar and the Federal Reserve banks would now cease to exist. And you'd have more free republics and people conducting barter. And suddenly, you know, commerce would start getting done the old-fashioned way. And we'd come to realize again, hey, we don't need these guys. And then, you know, <laughs> it would be... Oh, my goodness. E at one point, economic liberation for those who have the ability to transact business. And that would mean, of course, those with gold and silver money or those that have uh, goods that they want to actually get rid of. Or, you know, who knows what would become money at that point, because we would all want to conduct trade. Maybe it would be cigarettes. Maybe it would be, you know, who knows? So I hope we won't see that day. I don't believe we will. I think what's more likely is that they continue to take slices off of the dollar so that you know people die and people forget and a new generation comes and more sheep are able to be mm -hmm. shorn john you had another question uh well uh, along the same lines um what you what is the best financial strategy that that you would employ 
Uh, I'm a teacher myself. Uh, what do you have uh, suggestions? Well, in your 401k, uh, you know, get a little aggressive. Uh, you can buy gold. GLD is a tracking stock in your 401k. You can buy um, SLV, silver, as a tracking stock, or USO, oil. Uh, I would, you know, look to make sure that you're not in bonds or uh, agency debt or things of that nature in, in that uh, retirement side of your you fund. believe they're dangerous they are very yeah that, to to wealth preservation because in an inflationary blow-off you know you'd be paid back whatever it was that was in that account but at that point it wouldn't buy anything hmm. whereas your your gld might at that point your electronic gold might be defaulted on because you know <laughs> so it would be worth it to steal your your individual held gold and silver coins is still the last line of defense and I believe everyone should have at least 10 to 15% of their investment money in gold and silver coin in their physical possession. And beyond that, uh, my goodness, you know, I, I ventured out into the world of uh, rare coins myself personally, but I have almost 80% of my money there. Whatever is your passion, if it's a tangible item, a physical item that you want, uh, buy it now. I, uh, I've talked about old automobiles, old guitars, you know, things of rare and unusual value will always continue to appreciate against uh, uh, a dollar, but won't be any help for you against a collapsed John, dollar. John, are, are you satisfied because you're up against a break? Yes. Uh, can I ask you real quick? Okay. Hold on. Let's put you on hold one second, and uh, we're going to take a break here for the news. John, stay right there. You can t- uh, finish your questions right after this. Call now at 836-0590. Pound 590 for your wireless and toll free at 1-877-590-KLVJ. And we're with Andrew Goss. He's a currency historian of 30 years and uh, a secret world of money. Uncle Sam cooks the books, name of his books, and the real world of money or the world of money newsletter. And uh, you're going to be able to get that whole package on OneRadioNetwork.com at a very cool deal. Right, Andrew? Pretty soon? Pretty soon? Absolutely. I right. like the 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 the, the, this, the real world, the secret world of money. I get them confused. The secret world of money that you wrote uh, back in uh, what was it, ninety six or something? Ninety six. Yeah. Boy, folks, that's really a good primer for all of this, isn't it? I mean, it really sets the stage of how it all started and everything. Well, yeah. Although you know, you're reading the past now. I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did make some predictions for about this time, and uh, you know what folks should do from that time to this. Mm-hmm. So I guess it might be time to sit down and write another one. It sure is interesting, though, with the amount of emails and and, uh, the feedback we get on this show. uh, Many more people are certainly more aware of how challenging it is out there in the world of money. I mean, mean, you have to be kind of blind and not not, not, Not see uh, it. Yeah, yeah. More and more people are becoming aware. In fact, you know, we talked about in the previous uh, hour about the audits of the Federal Reserve System. Mm -hmm. And there was enough clamor raised, believe it or not, from 1913 till 1978. There was no no oversight at all. And then in 1978. (laughs) 1913 to 78? Yeah, no. Wow. So finally in 1978, they they passed a bill which uh, called for auditing the Fed. Uh, but the, but the, only the Federal Reserve Board and uh, not the monetary transactions. So for the Federal Reserve spending, we could only see, for example, the spending on their jets and their art collection and their uh, six-figure salaries and their expensive buildings and limousines and things. And that was exorbitant enough. But none of the financial transactions have ever been audited. So, again, when you corner a congressman and he says, and you say, oh, Andy Goss says the Fed has never been audited, and he'll say to you, yes, it has. Mm -hmm. And it is true. The Federal Reserve Board 
is audited every year. In fact, they have a statement online. You can see, you know, the annual report of the Fed, read their balance sheet. It's right online. But that's not where the money is, man. No. Who cares about that? No, but it allows them to say, you yeah, know, yeah. in this because this is the same guy that just got finished telling you that uh, the Federal Reserve Board, uh, no, Andy Gauze is wrong. The Federal Reserve is, pri- is not privately owned. It's mm-hmm. a part of government. Yeah. It's an okay. agency of government. Let's get some more calls in. We have lots of time. 836 Eight three six zero five ninety toll free eight seven seven five nine zero five five two five, and uh, to John, uh, John, you had something else here you want to talk about? Hey, John. Yeah. Oh yeah, we go ahead, John. Hanging. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to ask. Uh, sure. You can you guys make a prediction as when the uh, mortgage rate loans would be their lowest this summer or maybe even next fall for a refinance? Yeah, I, I give you, uh, you know, you'll be able to make that decision within the next two weeks. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, that's coming right away. And then this is it, you know, if they, if the Federal Reserve makes a move down and it's not a half a point, if it's only a quarter of a point, then do it right away. If they make a, if they take no action, then don't even wait that long, you know, do it, now, <laughs> do wait a it minute. sooner okay. than right away. Now, the Federal Reserve, so John, everybody understands about refi, what you think, this is your this is your opinion, right? Right, right. Uh, that the Federal, Board, uh, Federal Reserve, excuse me, Federal Reserve Board is going to get together when? Uh, in the next week, I believe. Next in the week next or, week. week. So after? you're saying yeah. no matter what they do, refinance. Well, not really. No? Uh, no. No, okay. If the Federal Reserve Sorry. Uh, drops rates more than a half a point, then hang around because that indicates that they're, they're going to do more. Mm. Uh, if, in fact, they don't move at all, then you want to move fast as you can. If they don't lower interest rates, then you run to the bank. If oh. they lower them a quarter point, you can walk. And if they lower them a half point, you know, you might want to even consider staying home because they may go and lower them again. Very interesting strategy, yeah. yeah. But, but one, like one thing is for sure, if you refinance and they drop them again, hey, refinance again. You can do it once a year here. Yeah? Sure, why not? How's not that, John? That Is that good? Yes, sir. Last question. Sure. Uh, how, how do you guys feel about NAFTA? Is it hurting us or helping us? Well, that was one of my questions. I'm glad you brought it up because I almost forgot about it. NAFTA, what's the deal? What's I the deal? I hate free trade. You hate free trade? I hate free trade. Really? Sorry. I believe government should have internal, uh, excuse me, external tariffs as their primary means. Somebody wants to dump stuff here in the United States, they should pay a tax. Well, if you have a different money system that people control, like the Chinese, what they're doing with their yuan, yeah, then, then it's can, not fair. It's just not a fair pl- playing That's field. the problem. Is yeah. that what the F stands for, unfair? I, I mean, it's NAFTA is not fair to American workers. It makes us sacrifice our standard of living so that the rest of the world can improve theirs. And I just don't think it's right. We should you guys be- seem very knowledgeable about what you're talking about. I was really impressed when I first heard you. I, I, I don't know why it clicked that these guys know what they're, they're talking about. So I appreciate all your help. Thanks. You. Thanks. I, John, I don't. It's Andrew. I have no oh, idea. I'll cut it out, Patrick. No, but I want to explain to you me. You lead me around like a, no, no, like no, no, a no. pet. Come Ex- on. Explain to me about the, because uh, I really want to understand about the free trade thing and how it's really hurting uh, uh, workers. Um, well, okay, imagine make imagine all me. of the union gains. Mm-hmm. You, you watch a good union story lately? No, like yeah. uh, like Irma, what's her name? Yeah. Or, Pick one. That's yeah, a like, good one, sure. The, who's that one? That Sally Field did Yeah, that there's so many good ones. Okay. You know, stories of uh, workers banding together and standing up to management. Right, okay. right. 
And think of all the gains that were gotten by American workers, mm -hmm. just like war. You mm -hmm. know, in many instances, the strike, the homestead strike, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the absolute power that comes with that sort of corruption means that you treat your workers like garbage. So they get together, they fight, they get federal protection, they get OSHA, they get health benefits, they get living wages, they get clean working conditions, and boy, that's expensive. And so all of that creates is transferred into the price of the product. Now, if you can give the impression of this safety and bring your products from somewhere where we don't have those sorts of controls, we don't have those sorts of benefits, then your labor costs decrease. So on the backs of the American labor movement, utilizing LAFTA, NAFTA, hmm. you got to laugh because it's LAFTA. Uh, in reality, what they've done is now gave the appearance of a good, fair work for good, fair wage, and the products are coming from another country uh, produced by people who work in less than fair wage conditions. You mean because the the union people are gone? Yeah, by you know by gone. by allowing folks from other countries to uh, undercut our wages and benefits and you know all the gains that the union people have gotten not just a union but organized labor uh then they've essentially busted yeah america's unions to just right. about i mean our workforce is all made up of independence right now from the motion picture why am i so naive mm. then why do uh, all of the political heroes as jeff ward calls them uh support nafta ah well here in new jersey one in six jobs is a government job I don't know how it is where you are. <laughs> mm, well, more, maybe. Uh, is it more than you, one? Oh, you're kidding? In, in Texas, Austin, uh, Texas, you know how many government jobs are here? Well, so who are they going to vote? You know, I mean, what are they going to uh, suggest that uh, we change that? I don't think so. Um, government jobs rely a lot of times on people uh, believing in things that they wouldn't otherwise believe in. So they'll say what they have to say to keep their government job, and certainly control is one of the biggest jobs of government. Hmm. And NAFTA has a whole bureaucracy of people that have jobs. What, what's behind this? Is the same thing behind uh, President George Bush's really uh, being so fervent and getting this whole Columbia free trade thing through? Man, he was on that, on that like a cheap suit. Yeah, well, that's the idea of the dollar, man. Yeah. You know, we want to get that dollar predominant in that country as long and every other South American country because this is the real rush now to dollarize this part of the hemisphere. So, you know, speak all you want about the Amero. Uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch, <laughs> we're forcing the dollar down everyone's throat. Mm. So, so, big picture. Mm. Knowing what you know, yeah. it, it, are you into just protecting ourselves, taking care of our family, protecting your finances and, and all of that? Or someday do you think we're going to just uh, rise up and throw these bums out? I'm being serious. I mean, I'd love do you think to believe that's that. possible? Well, you know, remember, you, you, said, possible? you said a 30-year monetary historian. Right. So when I was much younger, perhaps less jaded, I really did believe that. Did that you? We, oh, yeah, look me up, you know. You'll see me at the... <laughs> I know you were a rebel You'll see riser. me at the front of everything. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I believed that if we you know, got Congress involved and got the people involved and everybody involved, uh, they would rise up with one voice. Never mind. I just, the forces working against us are just too great. So as doesn't mean I've given up. I'm still trying. But at the same time, I'm not going to waste all my energy trying to convince others when those who really understand want to know what should I do? 
And so to those people, I'm providing the service that I provide, which is buying and selling gold. Yeah, I see. But come the revolution, Andrew Goss. You're going to need a goldsmith. I want you on my side, man. I'll be there, baby. I want you on my side. Oh, you can count on me. I know I can. Andrew Goss, 30-year currency historian. My name is Patrick Timpone, um, 60-year Italian historian. And it's great to be here with you. That's lovely. Hope you're having a good night, and uh, don't forget all kinds of great stuff for you. Uh, tonight, Kenny Romire is here, then after that, Coast to Coast. Tomorrow, uh, lots of cool shows in the morning where they tell you to do things and not do things in your garden and your cars and all that stuff. And then Dr. Dean, and also then uh, Wild Man Alex Jones will be here tomorrow afternoon. He's, he's a trip boy. Check him out at 4 o'clock, and then Beyond the Beltway and all kinds of great shows all weekend long on 590 KLBJ. Of money with Patrick Tempone and Andrew Goss. Call now at 836-0590, pound 590 for your wireless, and toll free at 1-877-590-KLBJ. Yeah, baby. 7.53. Kenny's coming up at about uh, 10 minutes or so. Andrew, did you, uh, you heard about those Phoenix lights? No, no, not yet. Oh, no, I mean the the, the, the four lights that they had over Phoenix. Uh, oh, years and years no, ago. No, 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 right? yeah, no, this was a new set. Are they uh, back? <laughs> about a week ago. And yeah. then, so, you know, they run coast to coast talking about it. It was really fun, and mm. nobody knew what it was. So then NBC comes on the air and, and a couple of the other stations about two nights later and say, well, we know what it is. It's some, planes some landing, guys, right? No, some guy put some flares up in the air. And then I heard on coast the other night that from a lady that, no, it wasn't really. I mean... You know, I don't know what it was, but there's something going on with that stuff. Isn't that wild that the, well, that, the, that the government the is so the, afraid of admitting yeah, anything right. could possibly, anybody right, else could possibly right. be out there? They'll try to explain it with any way they can. Why, why, why would the government be so fearful of, of us believing that there's other people out there but us? I don't know, and of information in general. Um, you know, the idea that uh, we can't be trusted to know things, you know, that it has to be kept from us. You know how much of our government's uh, history is hidden still behind closed doors? You know, many mm. things that they know that they can't tell us because mm. we really shouldn't know. Yeah. I read a story on the air during one of the Internet shows uh, this past week about then I think President Bush just passed some other kind of executive order and, and delayed some more papers to be released from his father and himself another 20 years from the Freedom yeah. of Information. I mean, it's just like. Well, what are you hiding, guys? Come yeah. on, here. what's the deal? You're so the president. The, you work right. for us here. Come on. By the time we know, I mean, will we be tempted to go dig somebody up? Is that the idea that mm-hmm. you know we would have to take our revenge on someone who's long gone, and mm-hmm. perhaps they wouldn't get the justice that they deserve? I don't know, but not very many good reasons for keeping this type of information uh, away from the public. Yeah, yeah. Okay, before we get out of here, uh, it's very difficult to know how much. We need to retire, mm. right? I mean, it's just well, really, really difficult. Right. And uh, before we do that, though, somebody's been holding. Let me do this call and then see if we can get to that. Lee, you're on KLBJ with Andrew Goss. Go ahead. Hi, Lee. Yeah, hi. Hi, go ahead. Yeah, I, must, I, I think I came in late, and you may have already talked about this, but I heard Andrew say that bonds were a really bad thing to invest in. But I'd always been told to invest in bonds when the interest rates were so low. So I guess I need a quick explanation of that. Okay. Well, it has to do with the face value of the bonds being increased, obviously. And when interest rates are low, let's say you buy a bond, a $1,000 bond, and they're only paying 4%. 
if suddenly interest rates go to 8%, well, then your $1,000 bond is only worth $500. So, in fact, when interest rates are low, you don't want to own bonds. In fact, you want to sell any bonds that you bought when interest rates were high, which is the only time, in my opinion, where you should be buying bonds. So, when interest rates go up that fast? Well, as they must, because if they continue on this pace... You hear all these callers talking about the collapse of the dollar. You know, you keep uh, accelerating inflation and you get to a point where people don't want to take the dollar anymore. Now, while we're not there yet, uh, the response to that, as Paul Volcker did, is to raise interest rates. So once they start raising interest rates to control inflation, that's the time to consider bonds as an investment. Uh, but until they've made a series of rises, I don't think I would do it uh, at all. Remember, when interest rates are... Hey there, Lee. I think Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, let's, look at the, let's look at the converse of okay, that. Go ahead. If you buy bonds when rates are 10%, let's say, and then you buy a $1,000 bond that yields 10% and interest rates fall to 5%, well, suddenly your $1,000 bond is worth twice as much now because it yields twice as much interest. So it suddenly has a, a, a premium of $2,000 and it increases in principle. That's why you want to buy bonds when interest rates are high and falling and you want to sell bonds when interest rates are low and rising. Okay, Lee. There you go. I guess you got that. I hope so. I think I understood <laughs> yeah. Okay, quickly, but we only have a couple minutes. Mm. How, how does one figure out how many Federal Reserve notes, you know, in that nest egg? You, you know? can't. I mean, because you don't know what it is. It's a moving target. Because the dollar is, who knows yeah, where it's going to be. Exactly. Who knows where the dollar index will be 20 years from now, so how can we tell how many dollars we're going to need to pay our daily expenses? That's why I prefer to first convert into something I know. Now, you heard the caller a segment ago tell us, talk about uh, silver dollar would buy the same five gallons of gas that it bought in 1970 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and the same five gallons that it bought in yeah. 1960. You That's know, your so. argument for, for real money. Yeah. So, or, you know, hard currency because exactly. yep. it's going to it's going to keep up. That's why you said a previous show, folks. He said, what was it? If you had a twenty dollar, we only have sixty seconds. If you had a twenty dollar gold piece, yeah, for every right, week, for that, every week that you want to retire, yeah, you'll be in good shape. Because right now, a twenty dollar gold piece is worth about about a week's wage for a skilled worker. About a thousand bucks, right? Yeah, twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. Yeah, and then. Uh, Ten years from now, it'll probably be worth... Uh, about a week's work for a skilled laborer. <laughs> How much will that be? Uh, who knows? That could be 12000 But, it, 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 but the, the, the coin will keep up with it. That's what the idea is. Yeah, yeah. you want to keep up with that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And isn't there some old thing about that? If you, uh, way back in 1850, if you bought a men's suit, it'd be... What was that? Oh, What's yeah, that yeah. It was a toga. <laughs> a, a toga? A toga and a lunch in Rome would have cost you a, <laughs> an ounce of gold. I and, love and that. Still will. Andrew Goss, it's always a pleasure, my friend, to have you here. Uh, tell folks your phone number. If you'd like to reach me, it's 1-800-468-2646. Thank you so much, sir. My Bless you. Bye-bye. If you'd like to reach me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. If you'd like to reach Kenny Romire, reach right out to your radio. Turn it up, because he's next on KLBJ. Take care. One station. One station. Okay, great.